one second here. That, that's the invention. This has been sitting here just w- wasting battery power. Did you dust it off? or yeah. Yeah. Dusting off I the timer. Wanna, I want to misread a number on there. Let's, hear, let's listen for that sound. That sickly little sound. Movie Schmovie, episode 110, <laughs> has been started. As John uh, hits himself in the face. Yeah. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Movie Schmovie. Man, it's been a while. It's been a bit. Yes, it has. We're we're close to changing seasons since we. I think it's actually. I think it's been pretty much a month. Yeah. Since yeah. our since our last episode. Yeah. Which is the longest gap? I didn't check, but I think this is the longest gap in in movie movie history. Yeah. It might be. It's the last. I'm looking one. back, and I don't. I think feel like it's the last. I think one. there's a few like three week gaps. And so one of the things when I came on this podcast, by the way, I'm John. I'm Steve. I'm Ron. When I came on this no. podcast, one of the things I took as a mission was let's keep this sucker weekly. Yeah. Right. Right. So that means the fact that we've been done for a month. And it, the longest uh, gap has ever that's ever happened on the show has happened on my watch. That means I'm a complete failure, <laughs> and I quit. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> and that's where the timer goes with you, right? I take the timer with me at the end of the episode. Oh, oh you're going to still stay here awkwardly? <laughs> the, the mouse squeak of that alarm is pretty... Uh, beep. I know. I'm sure we could get some sort of like cat toy just to replace it yeah, or something. I like it. Uh, so yeah, we've been away for a little bit, mm-hmm. and we're sorry for that. Um I don't know. We just uh, life. Life has life, happened. Life happens, and it keeps happening. And uh, you know, we have every intention to keep this podcast happening too. It's just a matter of where it fits into our lives now. And uh, we pr- we may not be releasing episodes every week or you know every other week like we'd always planned. Um, but that doesn't mean the episodes will be any less uh, you know funny, engaging, mm-hmm. topical. Things you should care about. They might even be more special. They they might be. I mean, we have Topical. to see how that we have to see how that plays out. I mean, it could just be if we save it up more, mm-hmm. they will just be even more mind altering and you know. I think you talk about our podcast loads. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what that equates to. The if less, you save it up, it just the less we jerk off, the more our podcast load is going to burst all over your it face. It just sprays so wait, further, is this, right? Is that's this, science, right? Is this podcast the equivalent of jerking off together, or is this a threesome? This is like us jerking each other off. I think this is a threesome. It's a circle jerk. So you're so jerking off then would be what we do. But that'd be like the voice memos when we when we record a quick <laughs> yeah. voice memo. Just the quick thing where you sneak off and yeah. into the bathroom so nobody <laughs> yeah. sees what's going. You know. But yeah, if we hold off and then get together, we're gonna reach to our right. It could be that we're so excited to talk about movies that we can only talk about them for like a few minutes and then we fall asleep. But then after a little bit of recovery, we come right back after for a second. What yeah. might be called a refractory yeah, period. Yeah. We'll be back. Yeah. For a longer conversation about <laughs> <Yeah>. films. <laughs> That's more about your needs. Yeah, something that we enjoy probably more than you do. All right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with this extended. It'll metaphor. never be as good for you as it was for us. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Do we got to do? But yeah, guys. So you know, kind of keep on the lookout for that. I mean, we'll still be releasing podcasts as as much as we can. Yeah. And uh, some will be just episodes where we get together and talk about like lists, like we love doing those shows mm-hmm. or certain types of films. And depending where the calendars line up, they may be more timely um, for recent releases or upcoming releases or, mm. or things of that you know that nature. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of where we're at. Yes. So movie schmovie still with you. Yeah, this is episode 110. Oh, shit. 
110. That's still a lot, man. We fucking It's still climbing. It goes it, I don't think you really go backwards. I think you always go up I want to go I want to do a reboot. I want to pick a random episode and reboot that episode at some point. <laughs> Ronald dude. loves reboots and remakes, so we should just do that. What would that. that be like to reboot our thoughts on a movie? Would that be like <laughs> we go back, we we listen to what we thought before, right. we watch the movie again and then we try to come up with a different angle, like throw in some unnecessary twists you know in what our we should opinions. Do? You know we should we should have like addendum sometimes. Like you know like you watch a movie and you're like this movie was shitty. Yeah. And then you you're like Oh man, you know what? I kind of like that movie now that I think about it later on. Like, like a like second thought, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've actually thought of that because there's Fuck, a few man. times where after, yeah, after the conversation is over, yeah. you realize you were completely talking out your ass when you had like maybe seen a movie a couple of days before, right? Mm-hmm. But once you've let it sink in, you're like, ugh. Yeah. I feel like you you were like the one movie that I think about with you with that recently or not recently this past year was uh, Warm Bodies. Mm-hmm. I just I, like I feel like I feel like we came right to record after we saw that movie. Yeah. I feel like you were a lot more generous. You're in good movie. spirits about it. That was, and then afterwards you're like, fuck, what what? What did I just say? That was the apex of me being excited to do a show <laughs> and going to see a movie and taking notes like, oh, our job is to talk about this movie. I'm gonna have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then like not With realizing notepad, yeah. not realizing that if 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 we weren't doing this show at all, I probably would not have th- seen that movie, let alone right, written right. down all my thoughts about yeah. it. No, yeah, that's that's a good call. We should do that. That yeah. should be an we episode. Should, man. One second thought. Yeah. I like that title. Or something along, or maybe we can second schmecken. <laughs> on schmecken thought, yeah. I like schmecken thought. On schmecken thought. So you guys can look forward to that. Yes. Yeah. I'm not telling you when that's coming. According to this <laughs> new relaxed release schedule, it'll probably be sometime in 2015. Yeah. That yeah. we'll get to that. It's coming but, at some point, bitches. Yes. <laughs> but um, this episode, we're going to uh, actually catch up and uh, talk about the Maryland Film Festival. Yes. Which... Um, by the time you hear this, will have happened last week. Yes, um, here in uh, in Baltimore City, this is the annual festival. It's been going since 1999. We've covered it a few times on the podcast here, and they've always been very generous in uh, in helping us to to see some of the films mm-hmm. during the festival. Uh, you know, basically so that we can talk about it on the podcast. Doesn't really do a whole lot for the festival themselves. It's more so for the filmmakers, mm-hmm. people listening to this that maybe had never heard of these movies before, because most of the films that show there are. You know, smaller, independent, low-budget, you know, mm-hmm. films that need a venue like that to kind of get some word of mouth. Um, and on a bigger stage, at certain festivals to get distribution and things like that. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But the festival's always been a great experience for me on a personal end, even through Movie Schmovie. Um, mm-hmm. Something I always look forward to going to. It's usually every May around Mother's Day weekend, which is kind of weird, kind of sucks for, you know, going to some of the movies <laughs> on yes, Sunday. It is a lot. Yeah. But you went actually went to see a movie with your mom, right? On I did. Well, it, be and, sure to... Uh, Hold that thought and talk about okay. it. And oddly enough, I, I I actually sat in front of your mom and sister at a movie too. Oh really? Really? Yeah. Peter at, Pong uh, Summer. Uh, no. Happy uh, Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Yeah. Did you say anything to them? They were a little back. Oh, and I was okay. Aaron noticed they were there, and I was like, oh, I should go back there, but the movie was about to start, and I didn't see them afterwards. But they were there. Cool. Uh, but cool. you know that's cool that your mom went. Yeah, man, we we convinced her to see pretty some cool. movies. We convinced her to How'd see some How'd she like movies. it? I mean, did she enjoy she, the experience of the festival? She fucking loved it. Yeah. Um, so Happy Christmas is one she saw, and then the last day of the festival, we saw He Who Gets Slapped. Oh, yeah. Which is a 1924 silent film. Oh, that's what that was. It had a fucking orchestra that's, in front okay, of man, the screen. That sounded great. It was incredible. Right. Man. She, I could not, it, it was insane. There were only two people. Well, they considered it art. They call themselves an orchestra. It was two people yeah. just playing everything. Yeah, they usually and do those. Through this those movie. are really cool. Like, it was, it was such a good feeling. Like, That's cool. It's weird. Sometimes yeah. I forget that they were up there. And, and they, they do a lot of cool stuff like that with these with the Maryland Film Festival. They they sometimes have 
um, you know, like hosted screenings by local celebrities. Like John Waters always has a hosted screening, and mm-hmm. over years past, they've had like Orioles and politicians and, and you know local celebrities host their mm. whatever film that they maybe can get a hold of right. um you know orchestra screenings some like old 3d screenings they've done a lot of really fun and, and innovative and just kind of fun fun stuff you know i think much of what you expect from the the maryland film festival and what they program is is fun something else i've i've heard filmmakers commenting on that i guess i knew was a thing but um, you know, last year when we, we had Skiz Sizzik on the show to talk about his experience at the festival, right. he kind of alluded to this. But the Maryland Film Festival seems to be well known amongst filmmakers for creating these fun kind of extracurricular things for the filmmakers to do. I mean, yeah. I'm sure a lot of film festivals choose to take that approach of let's show these people who are visiting our city. Sure. Yeah. But I think Baltimore has a lot of a lot of culture and a lot of things going on that they can kind of expose people to or offer to people. Like I know that supposedly there was a, there were like Orioles tickets and things like that for, for the filmmakers. Yeah, one of the filmmakers we were talking to during one of the screenings we went to was basically like, I just left the Oriole game to come. Yeah. To come oh, that's to right. He Q- was actually wow. saying he was, he to was come to the Q&A. He said he was going to cut the Q&A short out of spite because he had had to leave <laughs> a perfect day at the, at the, the Camden ball Yard. Ball. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've all, I've always, every, a lot of the Q and A's I've ever heard, like, you know, it goes beyond the, like, I like to thank the film festival for taking care like the, you know, mm-hmm. when they're doing their Q and A's, it's always a very like warming and, you know, you can tell there's a lot of love from the filmmakers. And, and oh, yeah. I, when I used to work in Baltimore at, at the agency I used to be with, I used to handle some studios that had films in the festival. And when they had filmmakers coming to town, I was like a little more behind the scenes and seeing how much the festival took care of them. Mm-hmm. And they really do. I mean, they spare no expense. In what they can actually do. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it just looks like and a lot of the filmmakers go see other movies. You know, they spend the weekend just basically partly being a part of the crowd, which is really cool. And they that can do that, cool. you know, and, and the festival's done a great job. And, and uh, this year was an interesting year. I was going to say, how did, how did you guys fare with the, know, new, like, the new kind of structure of the festival? The fact that it wasn't centered on, on you know, that basically the Charles Theater the Charles and the Theater, parking yeah. lot across from Charles, which, just so people know... Pretty much every year that I've, I mean, maybe every year till now, is yeah. that the case? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every year that the festival's been running, they've been, it's been basically, it runs by taking over the six screen art house theater here in yeah. town, which makes it great for filmmakers and people that want to go park their car once and then yeah. hang out all day or hang out all weekend. And I thought that was going to be a pretty major setback in terms of it feeling like a festival because mm-hmm. I just went to three different screens and parked my car, walked in, saw a screening, walked back out, yeah. got in my car and drove away. I didn't I didn't personally feel like the gravity of the festival, the kind of the kind of nucleus like I have in in, in you know previous years, but right. what was your experience? I would probably echo that. I mean, I think a part of the excitement of it is that, you know, when in years past, like, you know, you'd, you'd always run into somebody outside of the Charles or you'd run in between screenings. Like you'd go from theater one to theater two for the next screen to, to make it right after the Q and a, or you'd walk outside and like, you know, I know like bef- last year we like ran into one another when you were getting a drink and tap us before we even like went and met for a screening. Yes. You know, like that kind of dynamic of, and the, and the tent village, like the, the hub of it was across the street in the parking. Like, like you were saying, you know, it, it's a little more disconnected. It didn't have that, like, gelled vibe to me this year the fact that you know that you were going to uh you know like four or five different venues that were hosting all these screenings Uh, i think the festival just did what they could do i mean uh, you know in terms of adapting to what they had to do and i think they did a really good job um a really good job in coordinating between those locations because they did have a lot of like maps and you know sidewalks were marked with logos pointing you in directions and uh, shuttle services running from different directions and things like that. And it which, was centralized. Once I like, yeah. I, I kind of triangulated the area. I once I realized everything was kind of like 
a brisk walk away from every other location. Yeah, so I'm yeah. sure that, that for a stories. visiting person, especially with the shuttles, I bet it felt fairly connected. Yeah, per their program, I think nothing was more than like a 15 minute walk, mm-hmm. which is that's fine. I mean, that's nothing, yeah. and it's all just kind of right around, you know, the, the the freeway, you know, on the other sides of the city freeway. But I mean, I, I'd say the only thing I really missed of it is just that that like you were kind of getting at before is just. That that excitement, like that mass of people just in that area, that was like, oh, that's the film festival, like that's yeah. happening this weekend. Yeah, you know, felt more like a festival last year. It did, yeah, like it did. a festival. Like this was like felt... a series of screenings. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is still fine. I mean, I, I like I said, I think that's what. Yeah, I don't even they, really mean to they, knock they, it. It's just no, different. not at all. No, yeah, not at all. It's different. I think it's what they have to do. If if that's not on the table, you know, they actually did a really good job. I think of utilizing some of the. Some of the nice, nice educational institutions and some of the museums in the city. Yeah, um, a nice variety of places. You know, like I said, there was two colleges involved. Um, Walter's Art Museum was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other like space, like the wind up space. You know, where that's kind of like a non traditional thing with the festival. Just cool, cool places. You know, across the city, which is I think pretty smart on their part. Um, at University of Baltimore and and Micah and things like that, which. I think that even itself contributes to what the the vibe of the festival is, because I mean, this is like you know some of these a lot of students there too, which I, I saw a lot more of this year. I, I really missed being able to go over to because the theater that they usually have it at next door. There's a tapas place with a mm. bar, and they're connected. Yeah. So you can get a drink at the bar, and you guys don't drink, but I've always enjoyed grabbing a beer at Tapas Teatro and then walking to my screening and actually having a having a beverage during the movie is sure. kind of nice. Yeah. And yeah. that's the other thing is. Th- since it wasn't at a regular theater, they didn't Couldn't have concessions. Yeah. There was no drinks and popcorn. Oh, that's, but that's by the time the, I went to weird. that last uh, screening, I was complaining to Steve that the you know the bumpers, the little graphics they show before every film, yeah. those heavily featured like a delicious looking <laughs> cup of soda <laughs> and popcorn. <laughs> And so every time I would see one of those, I was like, probably when they made that, they weren't thinking about the fact that like this. <laughs> these are just images we associate with movies. Film, yeah. But yeah. what it did every time was it'd be like if they had a. Um, instead of let's all go to the lobby, if it was like, don't you wish you could go to the lobby? Yeah, <laughs> that's true, man. I, Aren't you I feeling thirsty? Well, yeah. too bad. It kind of, the cool part about it though, is it felt fun to go to another place sometimes. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it was, was warm, yeah. it was beautiful. Oh, it was great so weather it felt for it. great to walk. Like, mm-hmm. I was, oh, okay, maybe I need to, I need to walk around. I had kind of a busy weekend, so I kept, I kept having to like, grab my little notepad and run back out to my car. And, you know, mm. I felt like I wasn't really attending the festival in that sense. Uh, but I know that if I had, like, gone... If I had had anyone going with me to the screenings or something like that, I probably would have been more likely to hang around. Yeah. I really was hoping I would find a, a party somewhere, but I just, it just was not that kind of weekend for me. But... Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, environment-wise, it was it was fun. It was a little yeah. different. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see what they do next year, you know, in terms of... They'll probably learn a lot from how they did this year because this is the first time they've done that, so... You know, they'll mm. adjust it as they need to. And, uh, you know, I think they'll keep on keeping on. They're, they've done a great job. So, Well, content-wise, the festival has continued to improve. Like, this year definitely feels like another... Like, if last... You know what I mean? It feels like they're building on whatever they had last year in terms of the content. So, I guess, logistics, they can continue to work out. I mean, frankly, they've... This is the first year, you're right, Steve, that they have had to figure out something new. Right. And from what we know, it doesn't sound like the Charles Theater is going to go back to hosting the festival anytime soon. Right. So. Right. Because um, I don't think I think they basically took a bath on that. Like I don't think that there was mm. I don't think they made much money on the festival itself. And from what Steve said, I don't know if this is are we talking at a school if we if we basically that basically distributors are less likely to give you a movie that's coming out like say the week before the if say like one weekend you're not going to have be playing any movies you're going to be doing this festival if a movie comes out the week before or even two weeks before they might be less likely to let that theater have that movie. Yeah. So the the Charles was you know. 
What do was, you think about was that? theoretically hurting their business more than just for that one weekend. But. That new theater that they're trying to build pretty soon, right? There's a theater that that uh, that's being built. The, oh the, yeah, you talking about the Rotunda? Over there uh, where the Rotunda used to be. Is that is that the one that that's that the well one? there was yeah I mean there was a there 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 was a one screen and a yeah. two screen now I think a three or four screen theater in the Rotunda yeah. currently. There's some sort of and initi- they're they're renovating it right now and it won't be done until like next year but they're basically making it into a, a, a like a cinema. A, Di- uh, what's it called? A dine-in cinema. Okay. Like, you know, like the higher end, like food, drinks, alcohol, things like that. And that's going to be there, which I think yeah. will be incredible. And that's not very far from there. I don't know if that's the one that you're there's, talking about There's or not. some sort of initiative through the group that organizes the film fest to get um, a larger percentage of some of the the bigger indie films mm-hmm. to come to Maryland. Because there was like a like ratio. There was like it? a crazy article that was like, of all the... Uh, indie films that come out, we only get 30%, and right. they're trying to up it to like 60 or 70. Gotcha. So it's like an initiative to get that stuff down here. Oh, wow. And yeah. there's like a theater that's being built. I have to find out exactly where it is. Within the next like uh, three or four years, that they want to house more indie things is it is is the alamo draft house involved in any way because i know they've got they've that wouldn't surprise they me. periodically gonna, open up i'm gonna find out exactly what it is i only heard like brief little snippets it of would it. make sense for them to get something like that going i mean mm-hmm. there's yeah. definitely room in the city for it um, um but baltimore is in new brooklyn somebody said that to me and i was like what are you talking i about? saw an article about that from yeah the girl, the girl who produces veep yeah, and I yeah, read it. A, I she, like, she wrote a, a blog. It's a really good article, it. man. Yeah, I read that. She actually had a short that played at the festival. I, I tried to go to, but I couldn't get um, to it. Yeah, I wanted to go there too. It was like a free sh- with yeah. Tony Hales in it. My yeah. sister went to it and said it was great. Yeah, I heard so. it was funny. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, so beyond programming, beyond you know their logistics, I mean, we saw some pretty cool films. I think. I think yeah. we each saw like three or four movies. Um, <clears throat> And I don't know what what was saw. You saw the first one, I think, that Thursday night, right? Yeah, Thursday night. Yeah. It was the world premiere of Call Girl of Cthulhu. You you hear that name, and you <laughs> you know you're either interested in seeing a movie called Call Girl of Cthulhu or you're not. <laughs> um, it was, but it was a pretty perfect screening in that sense. It was, I mean, you know how last year we had the screening of Willow Creek that we right. felt like it was such a high energy, positive yeah. vibe. I really felt like this year for me that screening was the screening of Call Girl of Cthulhu because there were. I mean, it was you know local, locally produced film. A lot of the actors, a lot of people involved from the movie were at the screening, so there was a lot of like cheering and clapping and laughing. It was just a good energy, mm-hmm. and it was <clears throat> it wasn't a midnight movie, but it was about ten o'clock at night, so it had this feeling of everyone was here to see a you know a certain type of movie. It develops. And it delivers these little roller coaster like thrills as it goes along. To call a movie low budget, a lot of times just means that you see the ambitions that the filmmakers sure. had. And this yeah. was what this was the kind of low budget film where, where the budget was small, but everybody seemed to be doing what they could to stretch that budget as much as possible. Overall, you just get this sense that everyone involved was having fun and and pushing this idea forward. And I definitely got that energy from the screening too. Mm. And it, you know, there's some gross. <laughs> like <laughs> depraved moments in this movie but there's also there's a you know it, it there was there was something behind it it was kind of interesting um cool. i mean but you know like the moment that i think of as kind of typifying the film um well there's two one is there's a scene where a guy is is looking at porn mm-hmm. and the actress in the porn sort of comes out of the screen at him and her breasts have turned into like eels Oh, wow. And they're snapping at him. That's oh, that's, that the, that's the promo yeah. shot. So oh, if that yeah. scene interests you, you might want to see this film. There's another scene where a prostitute uh, pees on a guy, and her like pee is acidic and, and burns his face off. 
so, wow. if, so if you want to see some, you know, somebody stretching their budget as much as they can to get cool, cool horror movie ideas like that in there, it, I don't know. It was just fun. It was infectious. And um, actually, we're going to have in a few days, we'll be posting an interview that I, I was able to snag with the director of the film and the star of the film, Chris LaMartina and Melissa O'Brien. We're kind enough to come down to the movie basement and chat with me for a bit. So, so we'll have an episode uh, probably in a few days where you'll get to hear, you know, all 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 of the thought that went into making this this very bizarre film. But it was a fun movie. It felt very Baltimore, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, again, like I said, you either if you like midnight movies, I'm sure everybody can think of those that type of film that you would see with a crowd and it would be fun. And you know, everybody's acting grossed out together. Everyone's kind of moaning together. It was it was. There were moments where I didn't know how to respond except just to laugh because I was like, I don't know what I just saw or, yeah. you know, but I'm in a room full of people and we just saw acidic piss melt a guy's face off. Uh, so. <laughs> sounds cool. And, I, you know, I did recognize a lot of faces in it, too. I guess just people I'd kind of know from around town. So that was another aspect of it that made it. <laughs> it's always kind of fun to see that and see like just, you know, people do a little acting, but to see how much they're willing to kind of go for it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of pretty bold uh, stuff. I was I was impressed. That sounds cool. Um, I saw Baltimore in black and white. Um, it was a documentary about uh, a family. I think they're a family of 10 um, that had uh, experienced the murder of their f- patriarch um, while he was going to uh, fight a highway being built in the middle of West Baltimore that was basically going to move all of the uh white people out into the county basically um and while he was heading into edmondson high school uh he was shot it makes it a really interesting because this family is very liberal uh even for california they came they come from california and moved to baltimore and it's kind of about uh how this the murder of their family changed uh, the changed the dynamic of everything Everything that you could possibly ever think about, it was covered in this movie. The screening was amazing for a bunch of reasons. Uh, a couple of the family members were there. Then, a lot of people didn't know this until the until after the movie. There were people that were in the building when the gentleman got shot. Um, oh, oh, just to give you some uh, some other details, that they were the the gentleman was killed by two, three black guys supposedly. Um, and what makes it even more interesting is this family really was very anti-racism. So to experience this and have to fight that feeling of like, Ugh, is a really amazing thing to see on screen. After the screening, there was a person that was in, several people that were in the building when the gentleman got killed. Neighbors of some of the people, friends of some of the people, childhood friends, people that knew of the family. And they all shared their experiences after the screening. It was one of the more emotional things I've ever experienced. Yeah. It was like being at a funeral almost. Yeah, sure. And uh, it's something that I couldn't have experienced anywhere but there. Yeah. And it was it was powerful. It was a it's a great documentary. And there are a lot of reveals that happen uh-huh. that are done in a way that it's it's top notch. Uh, the director, uh, <clears throat> her name is Emily Topper, and uh. Her, she also uh, co. There's a co-director, Mary Basatko. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, they captured this sort of thing in a way that I've just never seen anything ever captured in a documentary. I've never seen a documentary that really captured the way murder affects 
people, the way death that way affects people, particularly if it's in a way that's a little like you don't know who did it, but right. it's, you know, you say you're a liberal family, but these are young black kids that murdered your dad. And how do you deal with that as a person and actually address that? It's actually one of the more interesting reactions to that is actually shared in the movie on like the the sec end of the second act, beginning of the third act of it. Um but it's a it's an incredible documentary and I, I suggest anybody that has any interest of, in a well told story to to really watch it. Do you know anything about like the release schedule for it? Is it Um well well that's sort of the interesting thing. They just got off the cutting block, like right after they hadn't even finished it. They had just finished it. It got submitted the day before we we saw it, mm-hmm. um, so they're trying to work on that kind of as as we speak. Um, I'm hearing that there's going to be a couple more screenings in Baltimore, but I think they're trying to find a distributor. So that's also a cool part about it: the fact that maybe it's not going to come out for a while and experience it that way and see all these people. It, when I say that there were people that were there, and they weren't even together, there are about maybe 10 or 15 people that stood up and said things wow. that didn't even know each other. Some of them knew each other. Some of them didn't, but like 15 separate groups of wow. people. It was crazy. I mean, and it was how a... long of a Q&A was that? Did they run well, over? Well, or... they were all kind of like, hey, I knew this person. Your family was amazing. Hey, oh my God, I love you, and I loved your father. And then it just got, it was really quick kind of shout outs. It yeah. It, and it escalated. It got yeah. more and more emotional and I was like, I don't know if I can sit that through this. That sounds extremely powerful. Yeah, man. Uh, the closest thing I had to that was at the screening of Call Girl of Cthulhu. Really? One of the burlesque dancers uh, who was in the film uh-huh. was sitting behind me and when her scene came up on the movie, she said to her friend, there's my boobs. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can see that was also an emotionally powerful experience emotional. as well. So I was, I was, somebody was behind me and sobbing. Like from the moment the movie started to the end, come to find out it was one of the main people that they were kind of highlighting in the family. And I was like, man, this is, this is rough. But it was definitely worth seeing. That it just was, sounds, yeah, it sounds really fresh. I mean, like the wounds still sound very fresh. Super fresh. I mean, was it, it, I mean, I'm assuming that was most everybody's first time to see this footage as well, even people yeah, that were sort of involved. I think so. this was... I mean, well, they had showed some of the family, some of the screenings, but like uh, some of the some of the footage. But she was talking. Emily was talking about the fact that it was so fresh. They showed it to some of their family. They were just like, "I don't have anything to say about this. Wow. This is terrible." Or they loved it. There were a lot. She had just shown them that all of it was fresh. Emily didn't look super uh, stable in the kind of emotions of the film like it was it was really good man i'm glad that i saw it so i suggest anybody if you get a chance to see baltimore in black and white definitely see it uh i didn't you know i kind of left out a lot of details but that's because it, you kind of have to see it to kind of see it unfold yeah but yeah john and i saw a documentary at the festival um you t- you talk about like the unfolding of something and the reveals, mm. maybe something a little more known. But uh, we saw, well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I didn't know. I I, I knew I, the broad strokes. I, yeah, I rec- I recognize the name. Um, yeah. Well, I'd heard of the I'd heard of the name in relation to I guess the Johnny Gosh Law or the Johnny Gosh yeah, Act, right. which basically states that you know, and I didn't realize it was in the '80s that it changed over, but that they they used to wait 72 hours to look for somebody who was missing, no matter who they were. 72 hours, right? Yeah. 
and that's so long. And and that because in the movie it's set in 1982. It's a documentary, so the, it goes back to 1982. I don't I don't want to give away too much, but I feel like we can talk about the case what? without that... giving away too much because there's some interesting stuff to say about this movie that I don't I don't I don't think we should avoid saying just because we don't want to spoil. Right, that. and we're talking about a documentary called Who Took Johnny. Yeah. I really want to um, see that. That when, we, when I remember looking at the program guide for the festival, I know John, you you echoed the same thought when we were talking about it. it was like. Reading the description for this documentary, like immediately, I said I have to see this. Like this American true crime, mm. cold case. You know, yeah, you, you the, throw those those buzzwords we talked about. Yes, yeah, like, so a thirty year old cold case. I was like, already, I'm interested in yeah, this documentary. I'm in. <laughs> Done. Um, and the funny thing is, I remember seeing this. What it seemed really familiar to me, not because I knew the name, like I, I just referenced the name from hearing about the kidnapping, but. I remember seeing this. This was a kick. This was a Kickstarter project. Okay. Um, that I think was it took place like at the end of I think 2012, early 2013 or something. But I remember watching the little promotional reel that they had going on Kickstarter and being really interested in it. So when I saw that at the festival had it, you know, it was like a no brainer definitely to see it. Which also happened like a year or two ago. A film that I backed through Kickstarter um, about Jeffrey Dahmer. I saw at the festival, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was which right. was really cool. So it's kind of cool to see some of these movies getting made and making it to festivals like this, unrelated to the topic of the film. But um, yeah. So basically, films like I would say just to kind of set a to set a vibe, not necessarily I wouldn't say on the same level as, but very similar to like documentaries like The Imposter or Whoa. like Capturing the Freedmen's. Um, thin blue line, like documentaries like that, where you know things are being revealed. Very um, kind of what you were saying about Baltimore in black and white, that, where yeah. you know the story, but there are still yeah, there are still just... details that you feel your stomach drop when they reveal them. And right. this movie, and that's what I immediately thought of, like, wow, it's like another one I probably should have seen because mm. this is something that was very much like that as well. But it deals with the abduction of this this young boy who was on his paper route one Sunday morning, and there's different stories around what exactly happened, but there seems to be a general consensus that, you know, various people on his paper route saw him in engaging with this guy in a car. And then right around the area where this guy in the car was like talking to the kid and then driving away and then turning around and coming back, they found the kids, like his wagon and his dog and his left whatever papers. papers he had left. So they knew that he was probably taken from around that area. But the part that's infuriating in the film is that the police just seem to take no interest well, then, whatsoever. Like, the police have basically decided this is a runaway, yeah. and they're under that 72 hours before you look. So it just goes to show you how different things were back then. There's a shot, there's, like, footage of the, the parents on the Today Show saying, please help us if you have any information about our son, call us. They're just sitting, in, like, in chairs against, like, a blank background, giving their home phone number. Like the, the desperation, like is, on the Today call Show, us directly. on the Today Show, give us a call, oh, and yeah. then you see them like going around their neighborhood. They organized like a search party. It wasn't one of these things you expect now, where there's an Amber Alert, and then suddenly everybody who can help is out helping. Like the cops were really digging their heels in and, and refusing to believe there was any foul play here, and saying they didn't see a crime when everything pointed to something suspicious. And the movie really grapples with that idea of why were the police, why were there no crusading. Lawmen, regardless of whether they're supposed to wait 72 hours. Why yeah, was nobody yeah. saying, ma'am, I'm going to help you find your son? You know, so it, through the point of view of the mother, and it really uses the mother as the kind of over-the-shoulder character, character yeah. we're seeing her view and her, hearing her story about what happened, which sometimes, you know, she may be an unreliable narrator, we don't know, but the facts that she has on her side really make it seem like there's some reason, there's something going on with the people in power and why they're not looking further into this. And what the movie really tries to do is address... Well, you could call it the mom's theory, or you could call it just a theory mm. about what really was going on. But there's these other stories and cases that get kind of wrapped into it. And, I mean, you can confirm this, Steve. It just gets 
darker and more unsettling as you go. Like, it, the, the, what it forces you to think about and ponder is dark, and then they throw a few things in your face that seem to sort of at least come very close to proving a lot of that really dark stuff is going on, but it's it's like chasing ghosts. There's the, the, These people who may be involved in what's going on are so shady and they're so insulated and they're so far from the right. story we're seeing right. that you feel like you're just, it's like there's a thread on a tapestry and you're just kind of tugging at it, but you have no, you have no chance Constant of understanding the whole, the whole picture. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, just really in- intriguing. And I mean, it's a mo- moments in the film where, uh, you know, there's there's a moment in the film where I looked over to my girlfriend and John was sitting with us. And just, I, I you know, you have like goosebumps on your arm because mm-hmm. those those reveals that are just like so, whether or not it's proving something possibly might be actually what happened. Or just opening the door in your mind and, and, to something. And, you're, and, you know, and just going down a whole different turnoff. And you're just like, oh, wow, like that... That's that's not only is this horrible, but that's frightening. You know that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and, and and frightening in a way that sends a ripple through your everyday life. Exactly, because then you think about you, you, it gives you perspective on well, our lives now, their lives then, and the through line that's gone from then to now. And I mean, and you know, and this is this is still an you know an open case, you know, uh, or not an open case. They're they're trying to have it open as a cold case, right? Yeah. Is that where it's at I right think, now? Yeah, it's, as far as the authorities, they never right. They never like found him. They never. It's not like an active case anymore. Oh um, shit! The only time it ever got to the FBI, like nothing ever, nothing well, happened. I mean, take this. Take this as an indication. The filmmakers were were doing a documentary, or were were playing around with the idea of doing a documentary about the larger picture, but they started to get scared. They said they started looking at what they were looking at, and it was just too dark. And they have kids, and they didn't want to worry about their own kid. Like there's, a con- I mean, the movie really hints at a conspiracy of of the most evil sort. That, like, whenever you talk about people that are that are are like they're what they're doing is trying to like squash and destroy the innocence mm-hmm. of children. Right. There's nothing more like infuriating than that. Yeah, and whether yeah. the movie just makes you feel like, well, this is a paranoid fantasy, this is something that couldn't happen, and then there's a few little clues that really make you go, no, this seems like it could be happening. There's a few things that really seem like they lead to it. You still don't feel like you know what the story is, but you feel like there's a story out there. And you feel like, I don't believe that all the cops that were that were refusing to view it as a crime when the boy disappeared, I don't think they're all in on this conspiracy. But from the end of the movie, you get the idea that, well, someone in po- all it would take would be someone in power saying... We're not gonna. We're not gonna look we're into this. We're not gonna this. do this. So, like, at the very least, it, it appears that a lot of these cops were kind of following orders. Mm. Um, and the one thing the movie doesn't do is give you a really firm idea of whether this mother, due to her obvious emotional trauma over losing her son, whether whether we should really trust her. But she seems. I mean, she seems driven, but she seems really cogent. I, at no point did she really seem like she was just batshit insane or anything. No. She feel uh, she feel like she. Seemed to me like she had the kind of insanity that a person who was just tired from grieving and yeah. from 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 wondering and worrying would would behave in a certain way. Like, but it didn't seem like she's she didn't seem like she was you know like receiving transmissions from aliens in her fillings or anything like that. It totally mm-hmm. seemed like this woman just you know has been shouting at the authorities for thirty years now. You know, and and still is viewed by a lot of people as kind of a crackpot. That's awful, man. And the thing that like I viewing the movie myself like I don't I don't have kids um, that you know of that I know of yeah <laughs> um, I I don't think you have you don't need to be a parent to relate to how frustrating and and scary this movie is which you know not that I need to like shout that from a rooftop but I think it's important to know the filmmakers do a really great job of framing it around 
just an overall awareness of how bad it was when this happened. Yeah. You know, like a kid from the community. It's not just a son. You know, he's a friend. He's a co-worker of all these paper. You know, yeah. he's a, a kid of this community, a kid that everybody knew. Mm. And it was just as scary for other people. I mean, obviously the mother is the, is the you know, the one that's at the front of the line. And she still to this day, you know, has her involvement with what's going on. And she currently, like, she's out there, like, as a, as a resource and coaching other families that are dealing with, you know, missing children and things like that. Wow. So to be in her headspace, I could never imagine that, even mm-hmm. not having kids. And I'm sure that once I have kids, it will be tenfold from my understanding of it. But I think it's really important just the way I watched it, just a kid in a community that went missing and nothing was done about it. And and that he seems to have been, I mean, again, if we take the most likely story that the movie puts forth as even partially true, it seems that he was targeted because he was a happy kid from a yes. loving home. yeah. Yeah. That that's actually what attracted these these people to him. So yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty um, gnarly uh, how 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 much it fans out, and it's kind of scary. And like like John said, the filmmaker was really kind of a cool Q and A afterwards. Um, two of the filmmakers were there, and it was Suki Hawley and Michael Michael Kalinsky or Kaczynski. Michael Kalinsky. Yeah, we weren't able to confirm the guy's name of the guy who was there, but if you're listening, Michael, if or Michael, David, Michael, whatever your name is, there was a, there was a dude. You look with, like Steven Soderbergh. Yes, let's just say you're that guy. <laughs> yes, Steven Soderbergh's like you know the way uh, supposedly um, like Saddam Hussein had doubles that would go around and yeah, this draw is that fire guy. for him. This was the guy who that does guy. that for yeah. Soderbergh. Yeah. Um, yeah. During their Q and A, I mean, basically. Uh, one of the things I found really interesting is somebody had had asked, you know, earlier on, like, what are your plans for distribution and things like that? And it almost seemed like they were like, like John was saying earlier, how they backed off this bigger picture that they maybe were getting into. It almost seems like they don't really know that they want to really, you know, pursue a wide release for this film because of the topic that it's oh. it's dealing with. Yeah, oh. and they even, or they made it simultaneously with they didn't know how much interest they were going to get. From people, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people want them to maybe look more into and question and prod at the mother's story, but they said when they decided they didn't want to do that big picture documentary, that in fact they said someone else is actually doing already, or there's a there's yeah, a journalist Kirby, who's working on it. Kirby Dick is apparently working yeah. on a documentary. But mm. that, that, that once About they the realized that, that they really did want to focus on the point of view of the mother and so the movie kind of lives and dies by the idea that you know it's 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 like some documentaries do that some give you a bird's eye view and others will say we're going to follow a character and they're mm. a little bit more subjective and this movie is definitely you know you're sympathetic obviously to this mother but you have to still ponder there's a few details that come out that make you think is she is she fabricating details out of her grief my feeling is i didn't i don't think so but the movie definitely leaves that as an open question i'm not sure we don't have any information about release or anything at this point but um, the the production company is called Rumor Films, R U M U R. So if you want to Google those guys, uh, I'm sure you can find some more information, and they'll probably be updating if and when it is coming out. Otherwise, gotcha. but, um, but yeah, and then and then good. when you see it and you can't sleep, right. just use that time to you know get some more writing done. You know, we're talking Ronald about how many projects you have on your plate right now. Just work on some projects instead of sleeping. Right, right. And I just know that I will be watching, I'll be following Henry around and watching him, everything he does right, right. for the <laughs> with, rest of his with life. With a pistol. Yes, with that. a pistol in my hand. Yes. <laughs> um, what else did you see? Hold on. Let's not talk about one one that we both I think we, we all three saw one. We all so three saw you, one. And we Maybe, saw okay. the same. So let let me talk about the one that none of you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Obvious Child. Right. Okay. Jenny Slate. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Oh. That's a no. Yeah, it's a that, that's a that's a she's great. No, the movie not so no, much. No, no, it's it's the subject matter that's hard. It's it's about a woman who has Ugh. 
No thanks. <laughs> Tapped out. <laughs> Ronald. <laughs> She's a comedian, and um, she has a one night stand with uh, Jake uh, Jake Lacey's character Max, um, and she gets pregnant, and she decides very early after finding out that she gets pregnant that she's going to have an abortion. So it's about her dealing with the decision to make an abortion, have an abortion, and then uh, deciding whether she's going to tell this guy or not. And it's a real different spin on anything I've ever seen. And it's a romantic comedy, believe it right, or not, right. that manages to get these all these really rough things and puts them together in a way that I don't think that anybody who's a traditionalist or or not liberal or open-minded about this sort of thing would ever even want to see it's not it's hard to watch man it's it's hard to watch because like, it's hard to watch in terms of what's discussed what's depicted what's discussed what's depicted all of it because it's a real thing and it's ha- like it seems like very casual about it too it, the trailer not, at least well yeah kind of but that's that's the way she deals with things that's it's that's kind of one of the subjects like is she immature is she handling her life the way she should and a person that lives by humor she's a comedian how does she deal with it and i think that of all i mean i'm i'm starting to be around a lot of people that deal with things in weird ways so how did jenny slate handle the more dramatic aspects of the oh my part? with with Styling Grace. <laughs> that's what he. That's what he dug up. Styling Grace. <laughs> yeah, she does it really well, man. I, for some reason, I thought you were gonna say with gusto. With gusto. <laughs> as, as though that's something you've ever with said. Pizzazz. <laughs> with panache. Yeah, but a she little handles, razzmatazz. She handles those scenes really well, and it's funny. You would. I. I thought that when she got into those more dramatic pockets, I thought that she would be really bad, but she did really well, and I. And I think that there's something to be said about. Um, people that have improv backgrounds and stuff like that, sure. like it's it's something really, the chemistry between the two of them and the chemistry that she has with every, she's really funny. Like it's yeah, it's I like her. It's one thing to see somebody mm. who you're supposed to laugh at, like you're, you're like okay, I'm supposed to laugh at this, and to have another and to have a good actress or good actor make you laugh almost at every turn, even at these really dramatic. There was a really rough joke about like abortion that i thought would like make me like cringe that made me laugh in a weird way <laughs> and it's it it is handled in a light way and i'm curious to see what like sites like jezebel and i i don't think the way she handles it is like it's just in the range of reactions that she could have she doesn't react as dramatically as you've seen in other movies when it comes to abortion and it's handled in a way that i think is fresh to see that there are people that really have the choice and say, okay, this is my decision. My life isn't over. This is my decision. I can live with this. This is because because of what I've chosen. That's that's the side that this this movie is kind of siding with. If there were to be a side that, you know. So uh, it's it's a rough subject, but it's worth seeing. Cool. I think that that thing's a hundred percent worth seeing. And I can't wait till it comes out via video on demand uh and and simultaneous release is june 6th oh wow that's soon so super soon i think that everybody should see it um different spin on that sort of subject matter so see it (laughs) all right (laughs) 
Okay, I, I plan on seeing that. I wanted to see it at the festival, but it didn't work out. But yeah. yeah, but the next one that you and well, we didn't see it together. We saw it on different days. Saw it different days. You saw it the day prior, and I, and I saw it indirectly with your family. Right. <laughs> um, uh, was Joe Swanberg's uh, Happy Christmas, which last year we saw. Um, I think we both were pretty surprised. I think yeah, we with, were with Drinking Buddies. Yeah, I think we, we both were surprised how much we liked Drinking yeah. Buddies. Um, and this year he, he's usually at the festival most years. I mean, he's a friend of the festival. He's done workshops there. Um, he's helped create some of the workshops with, uh, with the directors of the festival. Was he there at all this year? You know, I don't think so. I don't know. I was about, I meant to ask you if he was at your Q and a, he was not at the one that I went to Joe, Joe Swanberg. Yeah, he was there. Okay. So he must've only went to the first Q and a, uh, cause we saw him last year drinking buddies and always really interesting, uh, Q and a's with him. Cause he's yeah. very open about everything mm-hmm. and he's very like, you know, blunt and talks about yeah. the things you want to talk about everything or, from money to yeah like which is, budget and which is really cool yeah and like where he shot stuff and i mean i was hoping to be able to listen to the q a for this movie because this is uh, you know as, as personal and close to his to himself a lot of his films are yeah. this is a movie that he wrote produced directed filmed in his own house yeah his babies isn't in the film his wife has a, a, a like a quick shot in the film his real life wife um so and he's in the film also as one of the lead roles. So I mean, I was curious to see how that Q and A went. Um, but he wasn't in the screening I went to, sadly. Um, but a guy that I've grown over time to kind of like yeah, a little bit more than I thought I would have. Um, I liked him in Your Next. I like him just in general. I think. And this is a movie I, I had read a little bit about when it debuted at Sundance, and I was really excited to see the festival. To be very upfront about it, I st- I enjoyed the film. Uh, I just felt like it wasn't. It wasn't what I was hoping for with his next film, mm. considering that Drinking Buddies kind of was a was his biggest success so far. I don't know if that's like a weird like crossing into the mainstream period. Yeah, of yeah, his well, it does seem like I didn't see it, but a lot of people seem to re- regard Drinking Buddies as kind of like a a more solidly structured movie than a lot of those. I mean, I, I guess he, I don't know if people bristle at the term mumblecore or not, but I know that's right, kind of exactly. the genre that he's one of. The, he's kind of one of the you know he's on he's on on Mount Rushmore when it comes to mumblecore. And it's like, I do think moving away, whatever that means, if it really just means people talking in a natural way or whatever, I think that's sort of like, I could, I, I guess what I'm saying is as you get better at your craft, obviously the movies you make might become a little bit more polished and a little bit more mainstream in that way. And that seems to be the trajectory that, that he's taken. But right. I, I haven't heard much about Happy Christmas at all. So how, know, how what, is it different? What, what did is you it, think? I mean, I don't know. I, I was, Anna Kendrick is the lead in it. She was, she was one of the... Uh, actors in drinking buddies as well yeah. i thought she was really good in that film um i don't think she can carry a movie yeah that that's the concern of this film i mean like i think only thing about this that makes me wonder that is that like she's just i mean like you just don't like her and she do the cups thing in this one oddly enough in the, in the credit she does probably it. should no, have <laughs> that'd be great uh, <laughs> there's a yeah. mid-credits there's a teaser stinger, yeah. yeah um <laughs> she kind of like isn't she kind of plays against what most people think of her as she's not Which like the cute love. funny like you know bubbly yeah. anna kendrick she's kind of like a a messy, irresponsible, you know, adult pain in the ass, you know, that this guy's trying to help out. Why did you look at me when you said messy, irresponsible, (laughs) adult pain in the ass? Uh, You know, Joe Swanberg plays her brother. You know, she comes to stay with him after a breakup. And, uh, you know, it's kind of in the middle of their holiday planning. He has a wife, a a baby. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying about her carrying a movie. She kind of got annoying to me after a little while. I feel like this went a little more back to... Some of his other films, mm-hmm. um, in terms of some of the mumbling, you know, the mumblecore, you know, the, the characters that you look for in a lot of his. Lena Dunham is also has a small role in the film too. Um, How's she? 
She's actually pretty good. I mean, if you she's like good. her, I mean, she's very she's she's the girl from Girl. I mean, she's Hannah right. from Girl. I mean, like that's that's the her and that's the character, and she, that, that's who she plays in this film. She's one of Anna Kendrick's friends. Uh, I don't remember her name, but um, I don't know, like Friendy. Friendy, yeah. I think her name was Carson. Carson, yeah. Carson, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm actually I struggled with this thinking about how I felt about this movie because I, I was looking forward to it quite a bit. And I still, I still, did, I still liked it, but it definitely was a disappointment to me. Mm. Um, coming off of really enjoying Drinking Buddies, and my biggest thing was like, I don't know what the movie was trying to do. You know, I felt like the ending was non-existent. Like it just, it just kind of stopped. And I'm, and and you could tell like an overall like I don't think the audience really uh, was as well, uh, didn't react as well as I thought maybe <laughs> they did or were hoping to, because there was a general like, huh? You know when the movie ended. Did you feel that way? Yeah, the way it kind of just stops. It because there's no real arc for her character. Like no. the movie kind of shifts from following her to following the wife, and I guess that's who you're really trying to have a discovery with. Yeah. Um, because her character is a fuck up at the beginning, and she's kind of a fuck up at the end, and that's yeah. really that's spoilers. That's their character. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It didn't really. It didn't really resolve itself. Well, as I long mean, as you're spoiling it, did they have a happy Christmas or not? No. Fairly. No. No. I would say. I mean. The family made the best of the Christmas. So yeah. In that term, or in that sense, it was happy. I, but I don't know. She kind of, she kind of ruined Christmas. She had no redeeming qualities, really. I mean, like, um. Well, she did. She did. Okay. So, the whole idea is there's like, she comes in and she's she's reckless. She drinks. She's irresponsible. But with that, with with that comes a great deal of life that she brings to the dynamic of the family. Mm-hmm. That kind of awakens things in the wife or not so much not so much in the brother but yeah. more in the no, wife it, it, yeah you, you kind of jump on the wife boat you know yeah. like and you're like oh she's like home and she's alone and, on that boat yeah, yeah. <laughs> jumps in that boat and uh yeah their scenes together when she gets off to doing what she's wanting to do i thought were really good yeah I'm, All... i feel like i'm often like on the shore waving to the wife boat <laughs> as it pulls away from me all the writing sessions i thought were really fun yeah and I think are they, I, I, are, they, are they writers in the movie? Well, or? the wife uh, basically she's a stay-at-home mom who used to write novels. Okay, and, and and Anna Kendrick's character basically talks her into ask ask him for time to write. You know, mm-hmm. who can watch the baby? Like, get back to what you love. Like, she's trying to like that that looseness that she lives day to day with. She's like kind of imparting on the wife, and she kind of goes down that road a little bit. But then she Anna's character like kind of injects herself into that effort by saying, "You know what you should do." You should write one of those like sleazy romance <laughs> novels that are really easy to write, just yeah. to make some money, so that you can keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And like their their interchange and their 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 dialogue together, when she kind of just invites herself into this effort of the wife's to kind of get back to what she wants to do. Yeah. And their their dialogue is actually I thought really funny. And then yeah. the po- that, the actual like post credit scenes of them, it kind of picks more up to like those those scenes because I think it the film is pretty aware that. Those scenes definitely played the best to the crowd. I mean, they were really funny. Yeah. I thought, they mm-hmm. were really funny. Um, just like you know, just tossing ideas out there. Well, you know, well, it, well, what's another word for for vagina? Or what's another, you know, and and this is like two or three women talking about this and yeah. different different uh, personalities. And it, it was just a really funny scene. Um, what's another word for vagina, Ronald? Uh, flappy Jack. Wow. I, th- I think they go with herself. <laughs> yeah. They choose herself. Yeah. He enters her. He. He, he he! She puts him in herself. I think that's what I think that's what they chose with. I never said Flappy wanted. Jack. Flappy Jack. Uh, it might have been in the oh, credits. I'm not yeah, sure. Flappy Jack. I don't know what. 
I thought it was. This was the film I was most mixed on. I I I still wanted to like it more, um, but I enjoyed it. I mean, it it wasn't the it, out of drinking buddies in this. I'd definitely say that this was the weaker of the two, but it had. I like the personalities more in this one than more better than Drinking Buddies. Drinking Buddies had a better story. The story and Way like better. and people were so flawed. You know, like you didn't yeah. know like okay, I shouldn't really be rooting for anybody because they all have like issues. Yeah. But this movie, like the wife was a genuine, genuinely a nice woman. The the brother was a, a good dude. Like he was a good father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's just say how fucking cute his kid is. The amazing. His son Jude like steals the movie. I he mean, like is so charismatic, like man. so much personality, yeah. and 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 that's really cool too. Is that like you know this guy's directing himself playing with his kid, yeah, mm-hmm. and like just the way his kid reacts to him, like yeah. I've never seen that in a movie before. That's great. Like a kid interact with the dad in the yeah. movie, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they said he and the facial expression. I mean, it was it was it was perfect, man. They were like, talking about the takes part. and stuff like uh-huh. that. They said that like he had very little takes, like they because it looks did. like genuine. This kid is like yeah. really smart. He's really responsive, <laughs> and and like just the dynamic with him and his father, Joe Swanberg himself, in real life, you know, and in the film, it, I've never seen that before in a Neither. movie. And like the crowd was like loving it. I yeah. mean, everybody was laughing, and the kid was uh, the kid was genius, man. The like, Cheerio was so scene? good. So ran, funny. Ah! He, they said he did that. He said Joe said that he did it three times in a row, <laughs> more enthusiastically every that kid's time. Kid's a pro, man. <laughs> you have it, to see it. That, man. That's my takeaway from this movie. If for any reason, go see Happy Christmas when it comes out and what a capacity it does. Yeah, is for Joe Swanberg's son Jude. He's hilarious, super hilarious, cute, man. and uh, I feel like if I didn't enjoy him so much, I probably would be more honest with myself and say I didn't love this movie. Yeah. But I don't know. Did he say anything about the release for it? Because I know it got picked up by. It what, says Mag- on here Magnolia, but yeah, there's Magnet. like, I he said something like it was a video on demand really soon. A lot of these are coming out this summer, like June, yeah. July. Yeah, he said like but video on I, demand. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know if like I know Magnolia or Magnet, one of those two, and Paramount picked it up at Sundance, but I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. And then what else we saw? Well, the three of us. We all saw it. Is song. that what, what we round this out with, yeah, with that? The, sure. the one film that all three of us saw? Yeah. Uh, Ronald true. went a little earlier. John and I went on Sunday, mm-hmm. the last screening of it. And at, um, uh, Michael Tully and the kids from the film were at our screening for the Q&A. W- were they at yours Same. as well? Okay. Yeah. Um, what, was the male, was the lead kid there? The yeah. Male? Okay, so he had to leave. Oh, for okay. Our, so lead kid, one. both both guys were there. That that kid the what, uh, was, there, was there like four or five kids? There were shit. There were shit ton. Okay, there were yeah, same. All same, of them. Same. Okay, yeah. except for the except for uh, Rad, he wasn't there. Yeah, we had five. Okay. Yes, yeah. kids yes, there. yes. Uh, and my, so yeah, minus the the lead. But we yeah. had Teddy, the guy who played Teddy. We had yeah. the guy who played uh, what's his name? Kirk? No, Kyle. Kyle. Kyle the yeah. bully. And then we had the sister, and then the 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 main female character, yeah, and then her, just... and then Rhonda, her her friend, who was putting the moves on Teddy at on that Teddy, point. Yeah. So it was like, but I thought I found that to be kind of charming, like to see those, cause those kids were so clearly like, they didn't really 
Like the, they were so clearly like teehee. They, they, they're, yeah. they're they're like in four or five years, if those if those kids stay in acting, yeah. they'll be grabbing for that microphone, telling anecdotes about all their experiences mm-hmm. and stuff. But they were at that perfect age to feel awkward being in front of a crowd talking about themselves, and yeah. so you could tell when a question was directed to them, they really didn't want to say like no one wanted to be the one to give like a long answer yeah. and seem cheesy or something. Everyone was like, I don't know, we just found out about the part, and they would pass the mic to the next person. <laughs> I was know? eating pizza someplace. <laughs> and they said you want to try out, and right. I did. Yeah, they're trying to throw. But but I found that very charming. Like I could after seeing that movie, I will say that that was one of my favorite things about it was just the fact that they seemed like real kids. You know, they oh, didn't totally. seem. It didn't seem like. I mean, I guess people nowadays are much better than they used to be. But it was not that thing where you've got you know twenty year olds pretending to be fifteen. These yeah. kids looked fourteen or fifteen. So. A bunch of them were Marylanders too. Well, that was you know yeah, I will say really uh, cool. to give a little background of the movie. It's it's set. You let's know, let's not give a background. Let's just talk about. It. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. But uh, like, it's set at you know in Ocean City, which is the the kind of I don't know what you the would beach. call it. it's the beach. But I mean, it's the be- it's not just the beach. It's the beach. Like in, when I was growing um, up, w- 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 <laughs> I like how you differentiate. <laughs> yeah, that there. we had. But I'm saying we had Panama City, which yeah. was like that's where you went. That was like the beach. Any place where there's a beach and there's a hotels. But the but Panama City was where you had like all the airbrush shops sure. and the and the little seaside carnivals and stuff. Sure. And Ocean City is kind of that thing. It's like it's yeah. like there's there's it's there's a lot of stuff for kids. It's built around kind of tourism. It's not like private beaches with the white sands or anything. It's more about yeah. families going there and having fun and this movie i even though i used to vacation in a different part of the country i've i definitely felt that feeling of the you know loading up the car and going to the beach with the family like that it got that detail that that, just that sense of you're excited to go but when you get to a certain age there's not as much for you in the family unit and you kind of have to branch out a lot of that reminded me actually the first 15 minutes or so reminded me a lot of way way back yeah absolutely um Mm right down to when they pull up to the house and they get out and they're kind of looking at the house. There were a lot of things that were very, yeah. very familiar to that. But I would say, I don't know, it, it, you know, this movie, I, if I had a criticism of it, I would say that there were times where it seemed to want to be a touching coming-of-age comedy. And then there were times where it, it seemed to want to be a really wacky comedy. Yeah, like yeah. some of the jokes were piped in from a much zanier movie, and then some of the stuff was kind of heartwarming. Yeah. But basically, anyone that grew up in the 80s, it's set in, when, 85 or something yeah, like that? Yeah. And it, I mean, it... I don't know. What do you think of that? Those nostalgia trip type things. Is that is that like easy pickings, or do you think this movie hit some details just just right in a, in such a way that it made you feel like a true warmth of nostalgia, or or, or do you know what I mean? Or is it just yeah. is it is that like an easy trick to pull just to it's, remind people of their childhood? Well, it's one thing. It's one thing for it to be like a nostalgia that's based in that's steeped in kind of like a general like this is the eighties. Yeah. And then it's one thing, and then it's another thing to have it specific to a, a a place yes which makes it a lot crazier there's there's so much subtlety in some of it that it kind of blew my mind like it's weird that how similar it is now to to the way it was then it's really really similar you think so in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. some places haven't changed so, at all you're right some so, and and a lot of what well and that's the thing a lot of the location shots that they have in the film that like show the actual yeah. where they got permission to show like, oh, fuck now that I say that like like Paul Revere smorgasbord yeah you know like that looks the same it yes you know exactly sure that will never change I love the yeah, never ending shot looks, of the yeah, face. yeah yeah that that will be the same that yeah. I will agree with some of the stuff looks definitely different yeah but. I think I think that that uh, yeah I know what you're getting at I and mean, I totally agree like some of the like the way way back you know or like. Uh, uh, what was the other one that came out last year? Um, the kids, uh, uh, the Lord, King of Summer. King of Summer. Summer. You know, there's those nostalgia summer, even just a summer 
movie like the beach or like yeah. the summer the kids went off and the, you know that was the summer of our youth like yeah. and that's what this movie is for this kid that's summer but i mean the steep it in the 80s and the steep it on ocean in ocean city maryland for anybody in baltimore or or you know maryland probably even like delaware like you know yeah, going yeah, down the definitely. coast and northern virginia i mean ocean city maryland is where you went every summer that was I mean, it that was it that was and that was like the that was and you were like going someplace nice when you were going. To, I mean, in your mind as a kid, you're like, "Shit, my parents are like really successful." Oh, I loved Panama City because, too when I was a kid. Because I'm like yeah. going to Ocean City right now, yeah. so they have to be doing something with right in life. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and but then now that we're removed from it, you're like, "Well, everybody kind of could just drive to Ocean City, you know, yeah. just like the family does in the car. Like this cheap family goes down. Yeah, everybody could do that. It was so accessible. Yeah. Um, but there is tons of nostalgia. Loving all the locations. I mean. Watching this movie, trying to watch this movie objectively for me was impossible. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's impossible. I mean, I can say some things that, you know, I had the other side of the whole, like, these are kids, like these kids are kids who really haven't acted a lot. Some of that bothered me a little bit. Like some of the acting was, uh, it kind of got to me, but then there was a moment in the movie where I realized like, okay, but these are actually really just probably just kids that are acting for the first time. And there's yeah. some authenticity to how awkward they're being yeah the awkwardness yeah, yeah i think we talked about that on yeah. the way out that we did feel like particularly the actor who played teddy, teddy was yeah. maybe not a very great actor a very strong actor but that character is written to be a weird kid yeah and and you were feeling some of maybe the awkwardness of that real kid yeah. in that character and it, i think you know there were he had a couple of great moments mm -hmm. but then there would be a moment where that you know like he he seemed to kind of grin a lot yeah where i didn't know that character should have been grinning throughout the whole movie but there, he had a couple of my favorite moments in the movie be, be, precisely because he was a weird kid with a with an kind yeah. of an interesting yeah. energy i was you know saying all this reminds me of the fact that normally this type of coming of age movie i get choked up at some point and i don't think i got choked up at this point, I, I think that's what I'm talking about with the wackiness is that it aired, and this is not a knock, this is just no. a fact that it airs much more on the side of kind of silly comedy than it does on the side of like there being like a real arc. Like, for instance, the family unit is relatively unchanged at the end, there was no real arc there. Yeah. There was no, you know, it was a very simple storyline as far as what the kid was up against, and it's like he's got to beat the bully at a, at a game of ping pong, which is which yeah. is insane. But uh, well, let's all agree that that's probably the best way to settle a score. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I've. Is that not what yeah. And does? we all we all remember those ping pong bullies from when we were kids in but a shady I, arcade. Yeah, <laughs> but I liked that. I liked that aspect of the the weird like these kids should be playing on the beach. They should be outside having fun, but they found this air conditioned room that has all these games in it. The, yeah. I liked the fact that that place had almost like a magical land kind of quality to it because from the outside it didn't look like a place for kids at all. It was the back of the liquor store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought, and you know that liquor store if you go to Ocean City. But I just thought that was kind of well played, and the director who at the Q and A even alluded to that that he he deliberately created something that didn't exist but kind of wanted it to feel like it could exist you yeah know? i'm not gonna lie watching that film when they were going to what was it called the fun hub or fun something? hub yeah mm -hmm. i i had a moment earlier on, i was like what the fuck how did i not know about fun hub <laughs> yeah. that was behind this liquor store i was like this right. my entire childhood was a lie <laughs> but then he then he then, then he you know it disclosed that he made that up i was like oh yeah, yeah. right all right mom i love you still that place looked like heaven Right? I mean, they were showing things like H2O. Yeah. Do you remember going to H2O? Like, yeah. under 21 Club and the phone party and the, the yeah. suicide where you mix all the, <laughs> the sodas together. What I loved was the, I mean, the, the kid goes so to order a suicide at the, at, the, at the concession. I liked it when the, they showed the guy making the suicide. Yeah. There was clearly a method and an order to it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like the guy knew how you, to make a suicide. You go to the line and you put one last little spurt of orange in it. Yeah. That's like the extra on the top. Yeah. yeah. Double, double dose of orange. Yeah. I mean, I felt like this movie... 
is it, are, it is it very apparent to you that they're parodying that sort of time like a, almost like a Saved by the Bell sort of that that acting well that's it, what I mean that, about the tone all right of it. so I watched I, I've, I watched just like you guys Saved by the Bell like crazy I didn't you didn't okay by so the time did it you? came on I was too old to to think it was good you know okay. what I mean like I was obviously I didn't. it have you seen any of the people that show up as guests? That are like secondary characters. They are fucking terrible. I'm talking about like the you mean friends, the acting. The acting. Oh, yeah. They are terrible. Right. They are awful. Have you when heard I... the? Have you heard the podcast Go Bayside? <laughs> no. It's a, It's actually. I don't. I never even watched Saved by the Bell, and I find it to be funny. It's a comedian named April Richardson, mm-hmm. and she went through from episode one every week. She sits down with a comedian friend of hers. Mm-hmm. They watch a, oh, an episode, and so then they good. break it down. Yeah, check it out. Go Bayside. I've become addicted that to it. Really it's good. hilarious because it's just like it appears to be a show very cynically written by like sixty-year-olds yeah. for thirteen-year-olds. Yes. Yeah. Like there's little to no understanding <laughs> yeah. of youth culture in it. Yeah, but but, yeah. but it's clearly designed it. So I so the question I have to you is: When you were young and you watched Saved by the mm-hmm. Bell, did you think it was corny then, or did you think it was yeah, cool? Well. I mean, I'm, I thought it was awesome. I thought yeah. it was awesome too, but there, I, was, I cool. was. How old were you though? Like, uh, Saved by the Bell. I mean, I, I guess I had to have been in middle, like late middle school, okay, high school, or through those times. Because yeah. for me, it would have been late high school, so I was just, it just didn't click with me. The only reason I could have imagined watching it would be because kind of so, so bad, it's good, kind of fun yeah. stuff. I, I was in on the fact that there was something ridiculous about it, mm-hmm. but that's really? why I love this movie like this it's very apparent that they're trying to play on that sort of like vibe of how saved by the bell and like some of those nbc shows that used to come on sunday like those really like weird teen shows where like like fake fake sitcoms made for kids yeah like Like the kids like the main kids would be okay but then somebody would come in the scene and say i don't know what you're talking about i do what i do because i like drugs that person it's like terrible like I think there's something really, really. He kind of tried to capture it in a way that I was. I felt like I was in on it. Yeah. And I think it was on purpose. Like I don't think he would have chosen the people that he chose and tried to like. That kid was acting like that on purpose. Like Ted was Teddy. Teddy. Mm. You don't think so? No. I, I, I like. Okay. You think it was that I awful? Think, I think the director. I, because I, I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't think they were trying to be cheesy bad. I think that. I think that. that I think that was more like an awkward kid performance. That, I. It may have lent something to the character. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the director knew it was funny, but I don't think it was like parody acting. You know what I mean? Because there's too many moments of like sincere whatever, <laughs> where it's like either the family or just what happens between, you know. The, it, but you're right. It was kind of, it was a, at, at times a bit of a spoof of that type of the movie. Yeah. Like the fact that the girl, instead of having a drug problem, she's addicted to sugar. Yeah. You know, but I mean like, she, but they, the movie treats it as though she's got a drug problem that she's mm-hmm. got to overcome. That felt like a spoof element that almost yeah, seems like, like parts of that. Th- what they're commenting on. Wasn't there a Saved by the Bell where... Uh, Jesse. What's her name? Got addicted to caffeine or something yeah. like that. So, caffeine I mean, that's goes. what it felt like they were kind of riffing on. But yeah. the movie still got a little bit of legitimate emotional mileage out of... I, frankly, I like the fact that the kid had a supportive family and that he didn't have a falling out. Like, his dad wasn't a dick. His mom wasn't... Yeah. Didn't have a drinking problem. It was like a, it was interesting that they chose not to put in that level of, like, melodrama in the family. Because yeah. any other movie would have had some something between the parents that went bad or something. It was nice and light. I, yeah. I like that about it. I think it was like it, it was very simple too. And it ended like, perfectly. Yeah. Which, ah, super yeah, it did. Simple. It was simple like in the terms of like what I remember life yeah, being was, like then. Yeah. And I mean in terms was. of like what her addiction was, like at that time, that's what you would be addicted to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like 
that, that pixie sticks that, and it, hot rocks. Yeah, yeah. that that yeah. innocence, you know, is that that's what would be your biggest concern? Like, oh my god, she's you know that that's what yeah. it is. Now that's a this is a different world now. Yeah, the kids in middle school and high school like don't even let's not even get on that topic. It's yeah. kind of scary, but I love that he he called her a skeezer. <laughs> like, man, that was amazing. That was and that's the best thing he could think of. Like, yeah, that that was him being really. Yeah, mean. he's like digging deep. He's yeah. like you skeezer. Common thread with it and say by the bell. I just wrote a note down, and it was my favorite song in the film. Enjoy. Was Angelo Janetti's song "Friends Forever"? <laughs> uh, if, you have, if you didn't, if you didn't pick it out, you should definitely look it up. It was oh, when, it was when uh, Rad and Teddy were like playing yeah, together, yeah, like they're, they're they're like they're, they're, they're good times. And of course, Say by the Bell had the yeah worldwide hit "Friends Forever." Um, not sure if there was any correlation there. I just picked up. It's on a it. great, great, great. I liked it, man. I thought it was. It was a great fun. Movie. It was. A lot, no, I it liked was, it. A lot of fun. Really cute. Really. It, I did. I did laugh a lot. Yeah. Tons of nostalgia. Um, like I said, I, I, the trailer when it came out a few weeks ago before it announced that or the festival had announced they were you know showcasing it, I was already like I can't wait to see this movie. Mm-hmm. I saw Ocean City, Maryland, 1985, and saw the clothes, the music, and I was like done. Um, you know, and, and I thought that it was. It was a good time. I loved. I, was, I, was, I loved the fact fun. that the kid was always like, like beatboxing and trying to break dance, like whatever he was doing. He was yeah. just doing that kind of stuff, and that that was something I'd almost forgotten about. Because I remember, like you know, because my son's six, so I'm all the time looking at his behavior and thinking, oh, I forgot that when I was six, I was running around in some fantasy land, and grownups were seeing that and see like I, as far as I knew, I was. You know, flying an X-wing down the down the trench to destroy the Death Star or something. But <laughs> what an adult sees is you running around their knees, going, you know. Yeah. And in this movie, I kind of got that feeling of like, what we're you know, this kid's in his own little world and he's doing this kind of cool stuff. But occasionally, you get this what it appears to be from the outside, and he's just going, <laughs> you know, whatever. I just I thought that was very true to life because yeah. I think there what there is something about at that age where you're really trying to take on all these adult qualities and adult culture. And yet, the kid world that you're still part of has its own rules, mm-hmm. and there's almost no way to reconcile those things. <laughs> like when you're 13 or 14, there's no way you can be. You're still a little kid in some yeah, ways, yeah. but in some ways, you're you're almost an adult. I don't know. I thought the movie did a good job of. And in fact, I'm 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 kind of. I sound like I'm dinging it for being a lightweight movie, but as a matter of fact, I actually think I come out more in favor because it didn't try to create too much drama. Oh. I could easily see watching this movie again and enjoying it. Yeah, it's just a lot fine. of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, again they didn't really talk a lot about the distribution for it i know it's got something going because it's i've seen a lot of of a presence for it online you know like with a lot of the movie sites with trailers and things like that Mm. um q a was really cool too you know yeah the director was really i love those like directors that are just like really just laid back of the q a's that i've seen i've seen somewhere like the director was like super awkward and Mm. wasn't really talking and wasn't wanting to talk about things and uh, Michael Tolley was just like really engaging, and like I was like, I like that dude, and I yeah. want this, I want him to be successful with this film. You know, was, I, I had the same thought, movie. Steve. I was like, this guy's done a lot of Q and As, and he he's good at this. He's yes. good at like managing the crowd, seeming yes. funny, not being too like he wasn't like mushy about. Oh, thank you so much. It was yeah. he was he you know he's, he seemed like almost like he was. I felt like he was watching responses and still kind of taking in how it was going and stuff he seemed to be a, a you know pretty interesting guy i i don't know about his movies he's made before but i'm definitely curious to check out him. anything yeah, he does at this point check him out was the crowd really into it like it was i would oh, say so it was sold out it was the, sold out and they were really into it yeah yeah it was like clapping a yeah, lot yeah. like clapping to the beat and well actually there was a lot of clapping off beat 
And there's a couple <laughs> moments when like there was music playing, I heard people like a few rows back clapping offbeat, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right. I guess they let anybody. Are you a twos and fours guys? Maybe maybe they were ones and threes. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I guess I'll have to but just there was that assume. kind of local flavor thing too. There was a lot of hooting and hollering just for like local landmarks. And yeah. stuff oh yeah, like, like that. his parents were there, and you know, like a lot of people that worked on the like he had mm. people raise their hand that they were involved with the film, and a bunch of hands went up. Wow. So mm-hmm. it was very you know familiar, I'm sure. Um, but it was good. It was a lot of fun. I had a, I had a great time seeing that movie. I think that was probably my most enjoyable experience at the festival this year, mm. just because of like that vibe. You know that that's that tapped vibe that we were talking a little bit about earlier. Like people hanging outside in the lobby after it was over, talking to him, talking to the kids, talking to one another, um, and that was that was cool. That yeah, was cool. It was fun. It was cute. And uh, that was it. That was the Maryland Film Festival for 2014. Looking forward to next year. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. I'm anxious to see what they do with their locations and such. And again, thank you to the festival for including us again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, you know, these films that we were able to see, hopefully we can help get some awareness out yeah. for them. If, if in any capacity, I'm sure that they yeah. appreciate it just as much as we do uh, for them, including us. So um, it was a lot of fun this year and I'm, you know, looking forward to next year. There's always, there's always a lot of really cool movies to see there. And, and I always regret not seeing more. It just like always just comes up on me, and I'm like, damn, I gotta go to, yeah. you know, I, I want to go to so many, but how do I figure this out? And it's just like thankful to be able to get to three or four like we did, and um, we'll see what next year brings. Yeah. Mm. 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 I will definitely I that, go. That's gonna be one of the movie's titles next year. Mm. 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 I mean, I did see a movie <laughs> called He Who Gets Slapped. Yeah, I mean, yeah I that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but that's it, man. That's uh, that's episode one ten. That's our comeback episode, yeah. yeah, of sorts. So we packed a lot. You're welcome, guys. Yeah, we. You know what we did? We t- we set the timer and then we forgot about it. No, I, I looked at it. <laughs> we no, set I've been it watching it on here. Too. I, I, I think I think in the words of uh, Sir John Walker, we let this one breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I looked over. I was like, you know, okay, we'll let this breathe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Breathing's a good thing, as John always says. <laughs> you know, a certain amount of oxygen circulating just keeps you alive, Steve. That's yeah. all. I've that's heard. What I, that's I've what heard I'm. It. I've heard that before. <laughs> I'm fond of saying that. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, hit us up on the Facebook uh, email if you want, moviesmovie at gmail.com. Yeah. And, uh, all those things. We're still things. we're still part of your lives. Yeah. I hope so, yeah. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. Keep an eye out. John's going to – we'll post the uh, interview that we had with the uh, filmmaker from The Call Girl of Cthulhu. Yes. Uh, next week, so be sure to listen to that. Uh, really cool interview. Um, and we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon. As always, you've made our day. Take care. Mm-hmm.